Welcome to Bloody Good Horror. everyone and welcome back to bloody good horror my name is eric and i will be your host for this evening bloody good horror back from summer vacation and we are here tonight to discuss a quiet place part two spoiler alerts john krasinski's beard does return it does make a cameo never has a beard done more work for a single man than john krasinski's beard um caitlin you look like you have thoughts John, I just wonder how jealous John is getting right now of, like, your misplaced yeah. affections. <laughs> Sorry, bro. I, grow, I grew a beard here. If you take some of those serums that allow you to actually grow a beard, then maybe we can talk. <laughs> uh, joining me tonight, first up from Indiana, please welcome Casey. Hello. Next up from, where is she from? That's right, folks. Richmond, Virginia. Please welcome Caitlin to the show. Hello. And last up tonight, we it's finally here. I can say it. From Manhattan, New York City, he's back, bitches. The pandemic can't keep him down, although joke's on him. It's starting again. Please welcome John to the show. It's it's kind of keeping me down, Eric. I'm it's almost like it's, we're welcoming like you back for the first depressing. time. And it's like we're welcoming you back for the first time in a year and a half. Like, in your place has been this weird mid-Atlantic um, golf, easy, golf easy. dad. Weird mid-Atlantic <laughs> golf dad person. Like... But you're like city schnars now. Like you're back from the streets. Uh, I did not play golf one time. You looked the entire time I was gone. You really, so. you really looked like it though. Um, yeah, man, I'm excited to be back. I will tell you for anyone who just needed a reminder: moving is among the worst experiences <laughs> a human can endure. Um, this is so why yeah, I'm actually- every time I move, I throw out a good forty percent of my stuff. Well, I mean, we threw out a ton of shit, but I'm in New York by myself, uh, you know, which is like good, you know, in some ways, like I don't have to deal with the three kids while trying to unpack, but like I'm unpacking five people's worth of stuff by myself. And it's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, John's living the Carrie Bradshaw dream. You lost me at I'm alone because yes. that's my favorite part. I think I could get into <laughs> your situation, but we should swap for a week, John. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm also, uh, as people may hear, uh, I'm dealing with some new tech issues here. I set up my internet yesterday, eh, a little, little hiccupy. So, uh, we'll see. I'm not, I don't have my, I don't have my, my real rig, Eric. I don't have my rig. But you did you know? turn, you did turn your air conditioning off for me. So it's just like old times, yeah. buddy. Uh, John, John, with that said, there are also some changes happening at Bloody Good Horror that we wanted to address tonight. Boy, howdy, Eric, <laughs> are there changes. Um, and it's not just my return to New York that you're referencing. No. Um, yeah, we, so we've been on break for two weeks. Thank you for everyone, uh, to everyone for bearing with us. Um, it was a weird time, though, here at Bloody Guitar HQ. Um, right at the top of vacation, uh, we actually 
you know, chatted with Cece, who let us know that uh, she was going to be taking a step back. She just felt like it was kind of the right thing for her to do, given a lot of stuff that, that's gone on. Um, and so it was tough, and we were sad. Uh, and then Joe also let us know over our break that uh, he felt like it was the time for him to step back. Um, and that was also very, very sad. Uh, but, you know, these are, uh, as they're, you know, as, as you were joking about, uh, it's been a crazy time. You might say uh, they're, crazy- un- you might say they're unprecedented times, John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People keep, keep telling me that. Um, no, but I mean, I think, look, like a lot of people are reevaluating, um, and I, Joe and CC both sort of, you know, independently, uh, kind of came to the conclusion that, you know, it was just, it was time for a break and, um, we, you know, we talk, we talk through it with them, uh, but uh, you know, here we are, and we, you know, in twenty twenty, in twenty twenty one, I begrudge literally no one who's like, I need to take a step back and reevaluate the things in my life and how they serve me. Like, I think we should all be doing that at this point in our lives. a hundred percent. I mean, and and we are so thankful and grateful for everything that they brought to the show. Yeah, um, for sure. They were huge parts of the show for 14 years. And so, um, you know, it's tough. It's tough. Anytime there's changes, it's going to be hard. But yeah, at the like, same time... You know, because the other thing, John, I was saying to you today, like, we have done this show now for a literal lifetime. Like, a kid born the year we started this show <laughs> in some states is driving right now. <laughs> I mean... That's, that's messed up. Yeah. I'm 14. It's just too young. Let's be honest. But (laughs) no, but uh, no, you're, I mean, you're right. Look, and two weeks was also like the longest break we've ever taken. So I think, uh, yeah, I mean, look, all that being said, uh, we, this, this group here and, and the sort of extended bloody good horror family, super supportive of CC and Joe, uh, the doors open if they want to come back, although that that's not necessarily our expectation. Um, uh, but the good news is, uh, we have asked and she has gratefully or graciously accepted uh, Caitlin to become the fourth member of uh, Bloody Good Heart, the fourth permanent member here. Um, we've been just really excited, obviously, to have you uh, all year uh, joining us. Yeah, Kate, We're really excited about what you're doing with uh, Plug It Up as well. Um, Kaylin has been so, yeah. Kaylin has been the not secret MVP of BGH this year. So You betcha. <laughs> 100%. I mean, we're like you said, we've been doing this for a long time. We built this to try to be something that we can do and be self-sustaining. It's not always going to be true for all of us all the time. I mean, some some people remember Mark, um, uh, who, who I, I do on still, a, I do know, on occasion, yeah. <laughs> so he's still around. Uh, we still we still hear from him every once in a while. But but look, it is what it is. Uh, you know, regrowth, regeneration. Uh, maybe this pandemic will end and we can all, uh, go back, go back to living our lives again. Two other Um, things of note is also like, we're going to use this opportunity on the show to bring on more guests. Like I would say, I'm not promising anything. You know, I don't like to promise things, John, but I almost weekly, almost weekly, we're going to be having different people on where we can. So this is going to be a mix of both people that have already been in the show. Um, Longtime contributors, newer contributors, and also people that you've never heard on the show. So we want to use it as an opportunity to bring on some of your favorites, but also, um, you know, give give some new voices an opportunity to to join us. So that's going to be an ongoing initiative that's in the works right now. And and Caitlin has already let us know that she's going to be both as funny as Joe, but also as smart as CC. 
Um, yeah, no pressure. Which is really exciting. Right, we right adjust those expectations. <laughs> <laughs> Kaylin, can you, uh, no pressure, but I need you to fill the hole in my heart, if that's okay. <laughs> there was a song about it by Extreme. Um, the other thing, John, I think like, now we're not ready to talk specifics yet, but we're just like largely taking this as an opportunity to look at everything we do across the board and look at sort of like what needs to be refreshed, streamlined, what can we sort of look at and retool to be more of a service to fans, listeners at every turn. So we're going to be looking at Patreon stuff, looking at bloody good horror, all that stuff. So I just, what I would do is just ask for a little patience uh, from our listeners and just know that like we're, we're working on stuff. We're trying to, um, become the new and improved um, BGH for you guys. So, Well, and drop us notes, right? Drop us ideas as, as always. I mean, folks aren't shy about reaching out, but um, yeah. And we're not, you know, I, it doesn't, I would hope it doesn't need to be said, but maybe it does that we're not going anywhere. We're just going to keep on keeping on. So what did Michael Scott say? You can send your constructive compliments to (laughs) me. (laughs) Any complaints to Eric's. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Oh, and as part of stuff kind of changing, um, Caitlin has been kind of taking over Twitter for Joe. So if you've noticed less insults on Twitter, that's Caitlin. Um, and I've been sort of, as of today, John, I, I guess I'm the Instagram guy. So that's, that's what's happening. Somebody asked me a All question right, about pizza let's... and got a very Eric answer that we can talk about later. I'm gonna, Eric, I'm gonna if I read about you on the internet news next week about trying to get a free copy and throwing a fit because you're an influencer. I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> um, I, I do BGH's Instagram. Do you know who I am? <laughs> I, I will luck. admit it, with that one. I will admit. So we, you know, a thing that we are um, carrying on from Joe's legacy is the Tuesday questions. Cause we've all really enjoyed it. So I will admit though, it took me an embarrassing amount of time today to figure out how to like reply slash post my reply to somebody's question. But I did it, John. Cause I'm dedicated. Now you're a pro. Yeah. Cause I'm dedicated and I needed it. I needed a <laughs> distraction from my own work. So. And you put gifts on some of them. Yeah. Nice John, John's wife texted him to make sure everything was okay. When she's on Instagram. <laughs> <today>. <laughs> the the BGH questions aren't as blue anymore. What's going on? <laughs> right. Love it. Well, I'm just getting warmed up, John. Give me some, I mean, I'm, no, I am, listen, I have worked blue in my career previously, so I think I can get there. Oh, I'm trying to find and my. I feel like Caitlin's got some. She she can uncork some fastballs on Twitter. <laughs> when, uh, you know when the time's right. Uh, she's got a weird, real weird one for us later that none of us can explain. So that's pretty cool. Um, all right, guys. Well, that's it. Thank you for those. Uh, thank you to everyone for continuing to support the show and keeping these going. We very much appreciate you guys more than we, we can say. With that said, let's do it. Let's take a quick break and discuss a quiet place part. Two. This is it, Shenzhen. Your big break in TV. Fuck the front time. Main feature. And we're back. John Schnurs. Yes, Eric. Did your um, copies of Ro- Roger's Thesaurus make it with you to New York City? Your your full set. Uh, is that what I it think is? They're in they're in one of these boxes back here. I don't know. Nice. Can you see these boxes behind me? Yeah. yeah. So it's around. All right, John. Well, let's see what you got. Please bring us the word of the day. Eric, today's word 
It's echolocation. I like Guess it. what? I looked. Didn't use it last time. Oh, yeah! That's incredible. <laughs> Although the first word that I wanted to use, I did use last time, so I had to go to which is what? Second word. Can I get that one too? Uh, it was cochlea. Ah, oh, yes. Co- that's cochlea. an that's an ear thing, right? Yeah, it's an ear thing. I don't I don't remember. Um, hey, you hear that, folks? Speaking of change, there's a list. <laughs> We, we, you know, I check these things every once in a while. Um, so echolocation, uh, it's, you know, kind of self, self-defining, I guess you'd say. Uh, it is the location of objects by reflected sound. In particular, that used by animals such as dolphins and bats. I would say it is probably the defining characteristic of the... Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do we do? We, did we have a name for the aliens? Yeah, it's, they're they called. Um, they're called Cloverfields. Is what they're called. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were Slendermen. They're Slend- a little. There's little Slender, slender people. Listen, if know. they stood upright and put on a tux, I could. I could see it. Yeah, yeah. I think the correct term was a uh, Cloverfield lit. Oh uh, yeah. There we go. Okay. Uh, it is. They are very similar to the Cloverfield monster, but like one fortieth the size probably. I will like remind that. you too, because I just Googled that too. I knew I had read this somewhere. The writers on the first film claim that they once pitched their idea as a Cloverfield verse movie. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, it makes sense. I like these movies better if I just believe that. If I'm being yeah. honest. Didn't John Krasinski write these movies? I think he him wrote and this Am- one solo, I believe. And the other one was they wrote together. he was a co-writer. Gotcha. Okay. He did direct both films. He's a horror director now. Jim. John, oh, you want me to synopsize here, John? All right, I got this, John. Ready? This is this is a quiet place part two. Okay. If you you just crack your knuckles like you're getting ready. If you recall, at the end of the last movie. I thought he was making the the clicking noise. If you recall, at the end of the last movie, they finally at the end discovered that they could kill these things by making this loud shrieky sound that with the like uh the the hearing aid the, the to, cochlear to a speaker yeah. causes feedback which makes all their little head plate receptor things open up so you can just kill them with a gun because otherwise they're like they're impervious to the gunshots so that's how the movie ends it ends with them i believe it ends like as a smash cut kind of similar to this one with them like killing that monster so we pick up here as they, I can't remember if it opens on the flashback or if it opens on them. I think flashback. it opens on the flashback. flashback. It does. So it it goes, starts with day one. and then It goes back to this scene. And you have to forgive me because I have not seen the first film since we saw it in theaters. I believe we see a portion of this scene in the first film. I think we see Emily Blunt's part of this scene. But we basically get more this time around, I believe. Like we get this all this interaction with... John Krasinski, we see this thing like crashing above their baseball field. And we see a short scene with this Killian Murphy character um, sort of introducing him. So that scene's awesome. And then we go, we come back to the now times, which is where they've just killed the monster. They're walking out. They have to leave their farmhouse because it's now like burned down and kind of infiltrated basically. Um, They basically wander 
Um, I, I can't remember. The geography in the first one was like very important. I couldn't super remember, but they kind of wander into like, it's a factory, right? And that's where they run into Killian Murphy. It's who, like a foundry? steelworks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah found, foundry. Oh, foundry. Good word. Very Killian. nice. Could so have been a word. he pretends to not know them at first. He's like, we don't have any food or water, but then they recognize him. His plan doesn't work very well. And so he sort of um, agrees to like stay with them briefly or whatever. They, no, he tells them they have to leave. Yeah, but then he lets them stay though. He only. All right. So Eric, this That's is why later. I synopsize the movie, and, <laughs> and you. What? Uh, this is why I interrupt. <laughs> yes. So they get there. To be fair, uh, you were like, I don't want to synopsize the movie. I was trying to help you out, buddy. No, I, I, I know. I appreciate it, but but here I'm interrupting to correct. Uh, How rude. So, they they get there. He he has like all this like fancy stuff. Like he has he has. I, it's not really a vault. It's probably some kind of foundry or or steel making device. But it it sets up this gimmick where it's basically a, a it's, sealed vault it's that's safety. solid iron. Yeah. yeah, like I say that that the monsters can't get in. But there's only like I don't know five or ten minutes worth of air in there. So there, there's a lot of that becomes pretty important later. But they get there. He basically saves them, but then tells them, you got to go. This is after they've like talked about their relationship. One thing I, and like, I'm going to try not to go into like rant mode about a lot of the like loose ends that come up in this movie, but. You promised that you would. (laughs) No, no, I will. I just meant, I just meant not right now. It's, it was sort of unclear to me, like what exactly their relationship was because they kept referencing his relationship to the, to the dad, the dad's Lee, John Krasinski. And it was sort of like, you're not like him. Maybe you are like, I don't know. It was like, were they best friends? Were they, I thought they were brothers for a little while. I, like you, the, the movie is unclear. I think he's just a dude in town that they knew. I think her point about you're not him is more like now, like you're not, you're not like, in other words, it's like, you're not stepping up the but, way, the but way the he other, did. The other thing that you skipped over that is kind of important is they left the house because they saw the fire in the distance, right? which was a signal. And that was a whole so plot like, point in the previous film was him lighting a fire every night to try to like communicate with people. But if he, if he like, so we're told it's day 470 or something. So this is like more than a year, like almost a year and a half into this. It was, I, I also didn't understand why he was lighting the fire to signal for them to go. Because then but he then didn't want to talk there, to anybody. He, like, he was like, fuck off. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point yeah. actually. So the reason he lets them stay, he doesn't actually let them stay. The daughter in the like 12 hours that they're there solves this like fairly elaborate puzzle whereby they get a radio transmission that says it's uh, playing beyond the sea. This is like some escape. This is like some escape room bullshit. Yes. So (laughs) she realizes that it's coming from an island that's actually like, only a day away from where they are because of the lyrics so of the song. It's like that Seinfeld episode. Yes. <laughs> downtown. <laughs> downtown. <laughs> Did you go downtown, George? <laughs> this song, the um, timely. References. No, so, so she leaves cause she's going to like save the day. And the mom basically tells Killian Murphy, like you got to go after her. And he agrees. And then not only does he agree, but then the daughter talks him into helping her on I don't want to say it's a cockamamie plan because like it's pretty objectively like correct. Like there's no tension about whether or not there's something good on the Island. They know that if they can get to the, like, I don't know. So 
but that that's ultimately like I would also beg I would also beg the question like if you have as much security as they have on this island why would you be um, soliciting more people to come because I've seen the walking I've seen enough of the walking dead to know that's not a good plan (laughs) we're shown there's bad people all around with boats can we put a pin in that for one second please because like like so that's the setup I think we should like go into the review because you're you're bringing up something that is immediately one of my big like this movie is fucking ridiculous <laughs> things. Okay, Casey. Yes. What did you think? <laughs> um, so I was a big fan of the first movie. I loved it. I thought it was great. The tension and stuff and the movie making it was well. And I really got sucked in by the story. So coming around for Quiet Place two. I wasn't necessarily looking for the same tension or anything like that. My biggest goal was to figure out what they did with the story in the second movie, because after the end of that first one and the way they set up these aliens and stuff and their power and the quiet, it's kind of like a bird box situation. And then you're kind of like, what the hell do you do? Dude, I I brought up bird box in this movie. It's very similar. Oh yeah. They seeing what they've done with this to expand it though, for a second one story wise, I really like, I got into it. Not necessarily the plot. I mean, I guess there's plot holes. There's some stretches and stuff. But the the concept of finding, getting away, the high-pitched sound, weaponizing it, getting out to the islands and stuff, it was kind of straight-up post-apocalyptic type movie stuff. And it's pretty typical for usually a second and third act of a movie, but seeing it in a second movie so it could be a little more filled out was interesting. But there's definitely a lot they could have done to make it even more interesting. And the tension was not the same. It wasn't quite as scary as the first movie, which is why I came away saying, I like this, but not as much as the first one. Caitlin. So this is, I think it's a pretty decent sequel. I really like that, you know, the first movie had so much tension between the dad and the daughter, and then she kind of moves into that same role and same personality type. I think, um, Killian, I've been saying his name wrong all these years. Apparently, I was gonna go Cillian. The only reason I why I know, I know that's it is correct. Did you guys did you read my email, John? I worked with someone in Boston who was from Ireland. He had the accent and everything. Who went to high school with Killian Murphy, and he was the one who corrected me one day. Well, I, I learned that today. So there you go. And I like though that. Killian Murphy's character even says like, you're right. I am nothing like your dad. You are like him. Like, you know, that it really like sort of like sets up that arc. I like that arc. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's nice, especially given how important family is in these movies. I, it did get into the dystopian stuff that I don't like. I love dystopian fiction. I love the walking dead. And I just, it got into the parts of dystopian fiction that really, make me uncomfortable like when they meet the rogue survivors who are bad people and like one of the first things they do is take reagan's like jacket off and it's i mean like you assume that they're looking for stuff but it's also like ugh, like it just made me uncomfortable like it this like it becomes the, of sexual violence it like becomes the road for a set for like five minutes yeah i it, mean it, <laughs> i don't even know if that's where it was going but yeah uh all right, John, you sexy little surfer man. What do you think? Man, you guys all said like five things already that I want to respond to. Um, I wasn't done, but we'll, we'll go to John. <laughs> Can't 
Caitlin, I'm sorry. I didn't, I'm don't let Eric cut you off. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man. How do I feel about this movie? I So I would say that I don't – I tell people that I don't like the first one mainly to be a troll, right? Like it is – Did you say that on the first show? I mean I, my memory no, doesn't no, – I, I think I was probably pretty positive. I mean, people can go back and listen, or I, I mean, I'm probably not going to do that. But basically, I remember at the time thinking, Jesus Christ, there are so many plot holes in this movie. Uh, there, all of that stuff gets carried forward here. <laughs> um, so but just really quick to put put that aside for a second. It's really well made, right? Like, I, Casey, you said, like, this one wasn't maybe as, like, sort of tense or scary as the first one. I thought this was pretty friggin' tense and scary. I I will say, like, is, some yeah. of it for me is, like, the kids and parents stuff. I'm, like, maybe I'm just, like, no, going I'm, through it because I'm not with my kids right now. It's I'm like, pretty sensitive like, to it more than I used to be. But you, but it's – well, we, could, let's, we can talk. Listen. Yeah. What they it do – I cannot think of any justification for what they do to Emily Blunt and the baby character in this movie. Like they are not characters. Oh, they don't have this, a story. Yeah. They're like props for an editing scenario that where they want to yes. cut chop back and forth. Like that's the only reason. Uh, but in this like, movie. No one has an arc in this movie except the arc that you all were just talking about, which is the, the older daughter and, or I guess the only daughter and the Killian Murphy character. And even that, like hers is really the only one that you really care about. Everyone else is in this movie for sort of like tension delivery. Yeah. Yeah. And it's effective. Like there are at least five different sequences that are set up where you are legitimately holding your breath. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, and they're very effective. Anytime the monsters are messing shit up in this movie, it's a good time. It, the, the monsters are very scary and just like how desolate and how alone these people are is very well established. Um, I thought they did a, re- like another way to pay, to, to, you know, be uh, nice about this film is that like, it's very efficient. The movie's only like an hour and 35 minutes long. Um, the plot such as there is plot is like delivered very quickly. Dude, I, mean, I thought for sure I was like, oh, this movie's gonna make me watch it for two hours. I know it. And then I looked, I was like, it's only 90 minutes. But now that but I also feel like there's stuff on the cutting room floor. There's gotta be storyline somewhere. There there is, but I think they made the decision to like maximize tension, maximize yeah. sort of that that visceral impact. It's economic. And yeah, it which is like that's a I would say that's a good trait for the film. So all that being said, all of the problems with the first film, and like we can enumerate, like it, it a lot of it starts with creature design. Like when you set up these creatures that uh, use echolocation, to, but they're like somehow like super at it. It's the most obvious thing in the world. You get like a white noise. You get a sonic weapon. Like get any like. Well, we see how effective like rain is or water in this one. I think they do that in the first movie too. It, they right, do there's that the water with the waterfall fall, yeah. in the first. Well, that was the big joke of the first one. Was like, why didn't they live next to the goddamn waterfall? Because like <laughs> right. they like go yeah. to the waterfall, like have a conversation, <laughs> and it's like build a friggin' go- hut, bro. Okay, so so uh, somebody raised earlier. My biggest problem with this they're like the is it is- they're like the Kool Aid Man. Like that's how they enter every scene. Like yeah, it's like yeah. sound, and then it's like boosh, and it's like, hey guys, yeah. like my arms well, are long. 
there's they're always around, but there's only ever just one of them around. <laughs> yes. Like like so no, but so here's the biggest issue for me with this movie, and it's specific to this film, because they introduce this idea of this island. And once they get to the island, this is like pretty spoilery, but like whatever. It, you know, the movie's been out a couple of weeks, so I feel like people have probably seen it. They reveal that they can't swim. This is like a pretty big reveal. <laughs> and when they get to the island, the uh, de- de- demon Huzu or whatever, I, you know, somebody can tell me how to pronounce his name. I, I can pronounce no one's name in this movie. Um, he tells them like, oh, well, you know, like the government figured out like on that day that they couldn't swim. So we were like loading up all these boats. It's like, hold on a second. John Krasinski was supposed to be like this super like figuring out all the different parts of this stuff. The government knew and was like broadcasting to get on boats. And like somehow the family didn't figure that shit out. Like right. they lived in Long Island. Go to the fucking beach and get on a boat. Just go live on a boat for the year. Like my, it's, okay, so I, my favorite part of ridiculous. that is like, so they get on the boat. First of all, like I didn't even occur to me until now. Those bad guys like had control of the docks and had a boat. You mean to tell me they've never gotten into the, they didn't even need to crack the code. Just get in the boat and tool around. Yes, find yes, yourself yeah. a little jetty or something like to just hang out. They were, but they were boat people. Here's what's funny. And and it goes two ways. Cause like, I, I think this is one, I think it's a really effective visual moment when they see the island because what it is is it looks like this like fallout for like retro futuristic like um chill norman rockwell thing like everyone looks like they're in a gap ad or something you know what i mean but the problem is that like they they turn it up a notch too high it's almost silly how clean they all are and how like how like okay i get it you guys like you can be chill enough to clean your clothes, but how did you all end up in like the 2017 fall gap lineup? Like you're all in like the perfectly matching earth tones and like, it's, it's just well, pretty like, funny. They have gas for the car. Everyone's lights are on. It's totally. like very picturesque. But what I'll say is like, well, and I think that's affected because of the contrast and how everyone else is living, but it's like they, it's like they overcalculate, they overturn that knob just like a little bit. Um, I think John, like your point, this, this movie succeeds for a lot of the same reasons the first one does this very smart economical use of movie tension. Um, and I mean, the first film was so economical. There's like five characters in the whole movie. Nobody's talking. It's really an achievement in a lot of ways of filmmaking, especially genre filmmaking. I think my biggest thing coming out of this movie is that, um, this movie didn't need a sequel. And I think this kind of proves it. So it's like, yes, it's effective, but I also don't think it really does anything to justify its existence to me at all. Um, I think it's weirdly paced. It's like a two act movie. Basically it's like before the doc and after the doc kind of, and then it does turn into a weird, uh, leery post-apocalyptic evil people movie, but only for like, for that five 10 minutes. minute sequence, maybe yeah. 10. Yeah, yeah, it's more like five. And the problem with that is like, sort of you have to by necessity kind of decide how you're going to open their world up a little bit when you make a sequel. And the thing about the first film that really set it apart is it's like a weird, it's like a bucolic monster movie. Like, yeah, it's a monster movie, but the whole thing is about this whole bespoke, like hipstery, like we live with it, we're barefoot and we prance around our farm and we're like this family. That works for it. It's really, it's a really effective part of that storytelling. Yeah. 
but it makes this like dirty person, like dirt people walking dead rapey vibe feel way out of left field when it comes, even though like it makes sense because you're in a post-apocalyptic world. It's just that that's so out of what- It's just what you do. But the other thing, but here's the other thing. The first half of this movie traffics in that, almost that exact vibe from the first movie, which is why then it's so, I think if you're gonna go that way, if you're gonna go the dirt people route, you have to, it's gotta be more woven into the movie. Like it's literally five minutes yeah. and then it's done. They don't, well, I thought for sure they were like gonna show back up at the end, like after they fucked up the, the people at the dock or whatever. Um, I thought that was gonna be a huge plot point. I think it will for the part three. Well, <laughs> like but he, don't, he, don't though, Killian, don't do it. Killian Murphy, he does tee it up in a conversation, you know, where th- when he, when they first arrive at his place and he says something to the effect of like, you know, a lot of people aren't worth saving. I guess you haven't figured that out yet. Like he's had run. <laughs> no, totally. Him. And that's that. Like I get it from a personal standpoint. It, in our, in our year of the Lord, 2021, I don't need to see movies about what the apocalypse looks like because I'm living it in slow motion every goddamn day. Okay. Yeah, well, so that, like, and sure. it's just impossible for me to view that stuff in a vacuum. Now, somebody in 20 years might go back to this movie and be like, that's a really effective little thriller. I really yeah. dig that. For me, there's just parts of it that are like I'm not I'm not into. What I well, will that, say, and then I'll I'll stop rambling at you in general, is that <laughs> that scene though is really effective. I liked that it's resolved pretty quickly. I like sort of how they get out of it with the dirt people, but what I loved is when the monsters enter, because that's really where the money is in this scenario, where you have conflict, directed conflict between humans, and the monsters are then chaos agents, basically. Um, it is like old school doom when you make the font, the monsters fight each other. Like that's kind of what this is. And I loved the monsters Kool-Aid man entering and just knocking people off the dock. And every time that stuff happens, there were two in that. I don't even like, too. you know, the, the slow, the slow monster stalking isn't even my thing. Cause it's like my ADD just makes me want to be like, do something. But when it's pure chaos and people are just getting tossed, I am a hundred percent in on this movie. Yeah. I will say I really it's a little bit saccharine, but I love like the callback from the beginning where like Killian Murphy's character makes eye contact and he does like the little dive sign language. I was like, ah, oh, my like, God, he's great. <laughs> Caitlin, I'm so, so glad you brought this up because this is one of it? my biggest. I think I missed one that. Of my biggest pet peeves. Okay. So so he learns the the uh, sign language for dive in the very beginning of the movie. Where does he learn it? At a baseball game. They don't, you don't say dive in baseball. Yes, you do. You say, dive for home. No, you <laughs> no, slide. You, just, you slide. Well, that's also uh, true. And that's, isn't that like a decision the runner's really making in the moment though? They're not like getting told to yeah. do it. No one, look, I pl- I played baseball for a long time. I watch a lot of baseball. No mm. one says dive. It just, it was, they needed to have him learn dive. And so they like. Sh- you're, you know what? You are, even when scene. they, even when they are physically diving, it's called a slide. I think you're right. Yes, it definitely. I, I know sports, John. I'm an eternal fat kid, and I've heard it called dive before. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know. Goes my coach. <laughs> well, I don't know why wouldn't they just have them be like a swim team? Swim also, team? hey John, <laughs> hey John, you know what's a more effective thing than telling somebody to dive? You doing it, and then watching you do it, and then they just know to do yeah. it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I really gotta quick, say, Killian Murphy is—he's awesome in this movie, and it's such a different. He's—he's. Yeah. He's, 
I'm so used to seeing him play creepers that the second he showed up, I was like, oh, he's a creeper. And I well, was I pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I was pleasantly yeah. surprised to just see him play like a just a very normal gentleman who sort of has to, you know, decide if he's going to rise to the occasion. Like, I think oh, he does yeah, really good. There was some history there. There was some kind of sketch history. I'm not, whatever. They don't, they don't give you any of the background, but um, Eric, one of the things you said, and you know, cause I brought up the, the piece about uh, like the kid stuff. It's more that it's more for me. I think it was even more than like seeing this during a pandemic and like, you know, do we need this kind of like on the nose genre stuff when we're kind of living it every day? The, the, the inability of Emily Blunt and then obviously Killian Murphy, who, whose kids were all dead, uh, the inability of the parents to protect their children is just, it was such a kick in the balls. Like, oh, yeah. that's what made it like well, sober. Like, we're getting ready to like send our kids back to school with a goddamn like pandemic like on fire. And it's, it's, I terrible. just felt it's, like, like really terrifying. at the point that we are using suffocating the baby as like a plot point for pure tension. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm tapping out on this. Like I'm, I'm officially not on board with this as a movie trope. Like, because I just am. So part of the problem with like Emily Blunt does get some stuff to do in the movie, but because she doesn't have really, she's alone for most of the movie. So she doesn't even get to non verbally communicate with people. And like the extent of what she does is like, she has this moment with the cross where she kind of like leaves her, wedding ring and that kind of thing. But in the third act in general, nothing for her character is resolving in the third act. Like she is placed in peril just so that they can cut back and forth between the two scenes to ratchet up the tension. And at that point I was like, why is she even in this movie? Like I want her to have more of a reason to be in this movie. Well, so that was one of the things that I was thinking about. And actually I totally coincidentally was going to do a quiet place part one for plug it up for monstrous motherhood because she's a mom living in this world of monsters trying to protect her kids. And I got a little frustrated at first that that's what she's reduced to. Like her whole character is protect the baby, get some, I assume antibiotics for the sun, get some (laughs) oxygen. Like she's everything she does is in service of her kids. But I mean, that's not, like an inaccurate way to to portray what parents would be like in, no, in like I mean, a dystopic. You're not wrong. It's still a movie, but I, I, I take your point. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like I, it was something that I was thinking about, but I was like, you know, I don't have kids, but I was also like, well, if I did, I, I'm I'm sure that I would be in her same position. But I did find myself wanting a little more for her. Like the most acting I think that we get from her is when, and John, I will, this is where I wanted to, come back at you a little bit. I do think that the older son gets a little bit of an arc because he's very scared for a lot of the movie and he, you know, blasts the radio signal at the end and shoots the, you know, the alien, which is like, he gets his little like bravery. You know what I missed? He gets a moment. He gets a moment. He gets a moment. But like the most acting we get from Emily Blunt is her, like we have a lingering shot on her face of like how I guess like in awe and proud she is of her son. So like all of her character is around her kids. And part of me wants to be like, give her more. And part of me is like, I mean, that tracks. Like, you know? yeah. I just kind of took it as they are shifting the focus in this movie to the kids. Cause that's yeah. what, cause yeah. like I've said that what the tension wasn't there for me for the first movie. And that's probably a misnomer, but like knowing how all this stuff works now, cause going into the first movie, we didn't know exactly what was going on. And that really doubled up the tension with the noise and stuff like that. And really had me hold my breath. Now that you know how the aliens work, it takes off a little bit of the edge of it for me. 
And so them shifting that focus of the movie away from Emily Blunt, because we already got rid of John Krasinski and focusing on those kids and what they're doing and how they're putting themselves in peril. That for me is better tension for this movie where you get the mysteries already revealed. Yeah. I'm, well, that, I, I that really like, sick. I really like yeah, the decision to have, they're trying to I really like the decision to have the daughter, like be the kind of main arc for sure. I have a question about the son. Why does he, cause I think I, I either missed something or they didn't explain it. And before I complain about it, I'd like to know which one happened. Why does he leave the hatch when Emily Blunt is gone? Is he just bored? He's curious. Yeah, basically. Also, um, yeah. bear traps, like, He's crush, real dumb. Bear traps like crush your bones into dust. Yeah, so the idea that live. he's just up and walking around <laughs> is horseshit. Tetanus. I was like, he needs a tetanus shot or he's going to fucking die. And no, but it's he, not he like a like walk. He's listen, walking around like 12 it's, hours. It's not later. a flesh wound. Yeah. It's not a flesh wound. Those things are like literal <laughs> steel traps. Like it's not. She does even say like it didn't break the bone. Like when Bullshit. they're whispering to each yeah, other. That's not how that works. <laughs> she, does, she did say that. They, Caitlin's right. They, they at least like make an attempt to explain it, but I totally agree. No, that was my problem with him. I mean, Casey, you're right. Like they, it's not even a bad idea to have the kids be the, the focus, but Emily Blunt, like we still get, we still get several minutes of her walking to this drugstore. Like why That's not true. just like, <laughs> why not sh- just don't show it at all. Um, the, the boy, the whole time he's leaving, you're just like, what the fuck are you doing now? It was intentional. Like that was, Again, it it bordered for me on emotional manipulation. Well, because it's always that's a fine line, dude. Baby. Like because I understand that that the, you use characters' emotional arcs to manipulate, but it's like there's a line where it feels like kind of gross sometimes. It just yeah, it just feels like that's all they're doing, and and you know, okay. I mean, it like it worked. Like I. I was emotionally responding. I am emotionally responding right now. But like, <laughs> you sound you know. emotional, John, if I'm being honest. Uh, yeah. I had, I was having a lot of emotions watching this thing last night. So <laughs> yeah, man, it's a ride. I will say like the image of the monster, like crashing the gap party is amazing. <laughs> like to just see him running yeah, yeah. across that, that like very idyllic lawn and launching. I just love, you know what it is? Specifically, I love the people launching. I love the like they always crash into the scene. They just go like this and they just throw someone out of the way. So it's here's a question: What do the monsters want? Like, are they just there to knock people around? They want us to shut the fuck up. I don't know, John. What? What do I look like? Do do they eat the people? Like, why are they? They they just want to kill all the people. I mean, that apex predator. Also, some people just want to watch the world burn, John. I thought that they could fly. I was like, so they no. can't swim, but I fuck. I thought they could fly. You're thinking I, I mean, of you're thinking of Tremors two, which is where <laughs> I always am. Which is where the graboids <laughs> morph and they metamorphose into like these little things that actually, John, have little sonar or no, like heat reading things that come up out of their mm-hmm. eyes. <laughs> then they in the third one. I th- maybe it's the third Tremors where they fly. I think it's yeah. I think one. it is the third. I don't think it was because Tremors one. Two is called Aftershocks and it's very thought, very good. I, well, I I was gonna say maybe you were just getting confused with like ten. Does ten Cloverfield Lane can they fly in that? Something uh, does. Well, the way that they like Eric said, the way that they like like launch it, yeah. it's very like and, and they don't have wings. I don't know why I was thinking that, but yeah. 
It's like a helicopter situation. They Maybe you're like thinking about around. all the people who fly through the air when they get launched by the <laughs> monsters. <laughs> yeah. It is very Jurassic Park. Like when when Killian Murphy like hears the rustling in the boat, I was like, oh, the pterodactyl escaped Jurassic Park and is about to attack the <laughs> They're people. very pterodactyl, yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Um, what's, our, what's the theory on what's going on here? Like, I, do, like do we think this was an accidental crash? Is this like a Prometheus style, like biotech by another civilization that's just dropping some nasty shit on us? Yeah. Well, so in the movie, this, in this movie, isn't the, in that day one scene, um, my understanding. So like he walks into the supermarket, uh, John Krasinski, and he's like talking to the guy who owns the supermarket. And that guy is watching something on TV that I thought was There's something about a missile or something. It was. Like, well, he was like, I, was. They, he says, I, they think it's a bomb. Yeah, yeah. And then they're like, oh, they that's so like a, sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they show a split second of like people running away, like on the news. Um, so my takeaway was these things are landing all over. It's more of like a you know, Independence Day situation where they're like staking out all the, the land masses. It but none none of that explains what the aliens are there for because they're just running around like, like solo well my point is these aliens yeah. were not flying the ship presumably so like they were either sent here in some kind of like bioweapon pod <laughs> no. or like a, they're like or another alien was driving like a space prison kind of deal like a space I, prison wagon and these know, guys were in the back did we know in the first movie that they were space aliens or were they just assumed monsters and we didn't know where they came from I, don't I, don't I thought they were just monsters, but this one we literally get an image yeah. of them like from the sky. Yeah, I thought that they figured out that, they, or they like suspected they were aliens. I, I do have to say, I identified during this movie that this the way the way the like apocalypse opens up. This is like a top five genre trope for me. The in the moment quick destruction of society, like. But I like yeah. specifically that moment, like you're talking about, John, right before the screw turns, where like all you just hear some background noise of some shit going down, but you're still like, well, I gotta buy my bread to make my kid sandwich. And then like you turn around and the world is effed. Like that's I have realized like this Dawn <laughs> of the Dead, Bird Box, like the mist. I love when the shit goes down real quick, John. And now I get why, yeah. because it's not fun to happen in to watch happen no, slowly no, in real time. Yeah. yeah. Can we jump back to the um, uh, what, do, what do we want to call them? The, the the dock people? No. Sure. So it's been a it's been a year, right? Like, or maybe like a little more than a year. What was going on with their skin? I don't know. Because like the, the girl had girl weird skin, eyes. Yeah. The little girl. Yeah. Here's the she, other thing. Like, Brilliant but stupid. The attaching the like shame bells to the guy because like cool yeah. cool idea except you're standing right next to him have you seen what these things do to <laughs> anyone in the vicinity of sound like that doesn't make any sense yeah. but i love yeah. the visual of the little girl like being like Rah, and then like attaching yeah. the thing i to mean it's, it's very episode one of the walking dead you know like a but little the, girl okay. and you're like ah, but this rah. is a microcosm of my problem with screen modern screenwriting in general that a modern screenwriter gets to the scene and goes, man, wouldn't it be awesome if this girl looked up was creepy and then attached like, like dumb idiot bells to his neck or something. You know what I mean? Like that would be such a cool visual and they either never stop to think, but now they're making noise right next to them or they think, well, I don't care. Nobody will notice that when I, when I say constantly in the show, 
lazy screenwriting. That's what I mean. Because you're either not well, taking the time. That's to th- like half be- of this Wait, movie. because you're I either. It is. You're right. Because you're either not taking the time to think something through that could be easily fixed, or you just assume the audience is too stupid, and and that annoys me, John. I'm yeah, not yeah, that. Stupid. I've already I totally agree. They've already established that the monster. If you're standing next to the person with the bells, you're going to get killed from the monster just trying to get to that guy. Well, I guess I don't know. Like the feral people either wanted to just have the other survivors around them die like they wanted to like rob the girl and killian murphy and like kill them or like eat them I, i'm so, like not totally sure but well, they, they were they, like they were feral and like looked on the whole up. problem I don't know what was there the- was tons of food around like because we see you know, the family like getting food like there's know. no reason for them to like have weird skin and like be out of doing whatever they were doing it was very strange Get on a boat. Get off of the land. They're at the docks. <laughs> so ridiculous. Well, yeah, it's funny. The boats are right there. Get on a boat. <laughs> There's like multiple. That's not the only one either. So like yeah. when he runs, like when they're on uh, Gap Island and he rounds the corner and sees that the boat's messed up, I was like, oh, the people, some more people found him and messed their boat up. And then he no, turns the around. drifted there with that monster on it. Uh, yeah. Okay, I didn't pick that. Yeah, because one of the monsters got stuck on the boat, which they show you for like a split second. But then you're supposed to just like assume, like, yeah. And then I guess the boat just drifted across. So right. So here's what's like, here's what's hilarious. Here's what's that, hilarious. Like, this organized group of people that's lived there for a year and a half couldn't figure out how to get to this island with a whole dock full of boats. But this idiot monster got on one and accidentally floated there. That's what you're yeah. telling. Yes. Me. And they don't and have no anybody watching island. lookout. Yes, exactly. <laughs> no one on the island saw it coming. It was the middle of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how slowly boats like float into shore? <laughs> yes. It's it, coming. It definitely oh, would have gone like God. this too. It's, like in a little bit out. Coming. In a little bit out, like with the tide. Like it wouldn't yeah. have just rolled right in. Well, and Killian Murphy just like hears it banging up against the fucking Dude, rocks. That is and like so oh, yeah. so I guess hilarious. That's that boat. Yeah, I love that. I didn't talk about the radio transmission that you talked about at the, when you were mentioned it at the beginning of the show. Like, how did they miss the radio, the National Guard or the Army or whatever is announced, but that their pe- people are boarding boats and going to the islands because they established in that first movie that John Krasinski was monitoring all the airwaves and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's also there's also the moment where the kids are like, "But our dad was monitoring. How come he didn't hear the music?" And Killian <laughs> Murphy's just like, "It's the valley." like john krasinski never tried to listen anywhere else like he just suddenly like, yeah, it's like a, if there's no radio waves i guess it is what it is suddenly so. it's a californian sketch oh god damn it I, I do want to point out eric uh you i thought you might come and be the defender of this movie on this episode and i feel like nah <laughs> i didn't not enjoy it but yeah. you have to like listen it's a again it is like an effective, pretty economical thriller. It's not as good as the first. It's not as tight for sure as the first movie. And like, um, it could be fun. Like you could have fun with this movie because yeah, it's well, tense and monster. The monster shit is awesome. I'll keep saying that. It's yeah. basically the horror equivalent of the Fast and Furious films. Like that's you just have to be like, ah, a lot of stuff's not going to make. Well, sense, I think what bugs me is like, are cool. you know what it is? It bugs me when they give when they force sequels onto really classy movies. And as even though the first one has some plot holes, it's like a pretty classy genre movie. And I hate when they're like, cool sequel, boom, 
like okay because yeah, it was because it was a, I, just because it was a surprise hit really not because it actually called yeah. for one it, it would have been different by that but it would have been different though to easier to accept if this was something that they had dreamt up like three movies for before they first started the first one they had it you knew if we knew that they had an agenda or something like that instead of like what eric's saying you got this oh shit that turned out awesome made a lot of money let's throw this together and see what comes out but i think my guess is when they greenlit that first one there was already planned like because they left it in a place where there was like obviously more story to tell you know like yes john krasinski's dead but now you have this ability that they discover right at the end of the film look if anything these movies like i was thinking about this at the end of watching it's there's a lot of m night in these like the (laughs) the with the like dive, uh, that's you know, not like, so. Ooh, that's not super call, fair. Like these are much better yeah, than M Night. Uh, most M Night movies. This these I their heads know, are not is, as far up their ass as that. I would say this is uh, what was the one with Mel Gibson and the baseball bat and you know <laughs> yes. water or whatever. Science? science, science. Yeah, this is science. It's basically science. Like with better action. Like don't get me wrong, but yeah, very but the, similar. I, the idea of aliens that can't swim coming to Earth to invade, it makes a lot more sense than aliens who die by water coming to a planet that's covered in 70% water. It- <laughs> I mean, yes, it's still 70% water. I mean, uh, yeah. But- yeah, but there's large land masses that, you know, if that's the only thing holding them back, they, I mean, the aliens can find a way, may figure out a way around the water instead of just the- dying. Seattle. My favorite was like, it reminds me of signs, obviously. Like, and I remember somebody pointing out if you were an alien, like approaching earth, it would be entirely blue. Like, right. <laughs> you would see the water if you were like rolling yeah. up on earth. Yeah. Just a thought. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, and there's, guess what? There's a lot of water. There's also a fuckload of tiny islands that the humans can just go live on and like not have any problems with these aliens anymore. Well, these ones I are mean, not, like these ones are not, these ones are not sure, intelligent, but... like these aliens or yeah. seemingly, maybe I'm wrong, but it's like, oh. it's like when they talk about doing a movie on like the predator home planet. And then you have to picture like a predator being like a crossing guard or like a taxi driver. or something. <laughs> like, it's sort of like, it sounds better in concept than I think it actually yeah. would be. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, no, it's part, do we think part three is just going to be really loud? Like they're going to be blasting that feedback sound and that's going to, it's not going to be a quiet place anymore. Yeah. And it's going to be an hour and a half of people saying, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Although when you get this Island idea thrown in there and the aliens can't swim, do you think this could bridge to water world eventually? <laughs> water world. I saw boats. Yeah. I saw water world. Um, at a drive-in, nineteen ninety. <laughs> when did that come out? Ninety-seven. Does that sound right? Or ninety-six? No, that was earlier. Before now. then, yeah. So like I saw Waterworld at the drive-in. I was a kid. The first movie, Pocahontas. <laughs> the Disney Pocahontas, and then Waterworld. It was like the only awesome. time I went to the drive-in as a kid. That's the only reason. Killer double feature. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I really understood the drive-in as a kid. If I'm being honest, because I was like. But I'm like sweaty and there's like bugs. Like I don't, and we're in the back Do of the car. I, like I'm not comfortable. Oh, I don't understand it now. And I'm. Yeah. We were flirting on both sides of the spectrum for Waterworld, by the way. It was 95. Okay. Uh, I think I just fun. like the, I like the drive-in. It's like, I like to know the drive-in is there. I'm not sure it's for me, John. 
You know, I took Delaney years ago. We took Delaney to my drive in back home. Really excited. We saw one of the Shrek movies, like the third one. I was really excited for the experience, but it was like 105 degrees, I think, and the whole place was swarming with mosquitoes, and it was just oh, a God. miserable experience. I saw yeah, unless it's That's like 60 degrees out and no bugs. Yeah, I, I saw in the at I did. I went to the drive-in one time in Florida, which the wild thing about the ones in Florida is they're open year-round, and just like so old. And in the concession place, where all these like. I'll call them moths, but they were more like birds. I, I think they're like called <laughs> giant wood moths or something. They have a wingspan of like seven or eight inches. And it, it looks like you're in Jurassic Park. And they were like flying around buzzing people's heads while they were waiting for their like garbage food. Not to alarm you, but there's literally a moth that size on your shirt right now. <laughs> I actually just got nervous. For a um, all right, it's a guys. For those of you that are just listening. <laughs> here's the moment of truth. Quiet Place Part 2. Would you recommend it? John? Oh, man. Um, I think you're going to say yes. I'm going to say no. Ooh. Ooh. I you know it. what? You, yeah, you did. You did. Because <laughs> I was close. If you like Quiet Place 1, like, I don't know, just go watch this one probably. <laughs> Caitlin. Yeah. Casey. Yeah. I'm also going to say yes. But, like, just, you know, we take things seriously intentionally because it makes for better discussion but like you know just it's just a dumb movie just watch it it's fine it's good monster shit if you like kool-aid man monsters that just burst in and toss people which who doesn't and i think you're gonna that action you will get delivered that action if that's what you're looking for yeah I had not thought of the Kool Aid Man. That's that was a good call. Every scene, it's like his noise, and then everybody goes, eh? and then it's just like, <laughs> just like out of nowhere. It's yeah. a good listen. It's yeah. a good gimmick. Might as well run into the ground. It works. Here we are. All right, ladies and gents, that's gonna do it for a Quiet Place Part Two. Let's take a quick break and do some fan mail. Tuesday night. It's thirty years later, and right on schedule. The killing start up again. Six so far, maybe more. It's that, and it's mad. Take your pick, Billy boy. Something bad's going to happen to one of us. Get out of Derry while you still can. I'm going back in. This time I'm going to kill it. Something's coming. The thrilling conclusion of Stephen King's It, Tuesday night. Hi, I'm Denise Crosby from Pet Cemetery and Mortuary and The Walking Dead, and you are listening to Bloody Good Horror. Info at bloodygoodhorror.com. It helps if I check my email before the show. Um, <laughs> let's see what we got. 
Hey, we got a note from Alyssa on the book club. Hello, everyone. July's Read, The Elementals by Michael McDowell. Hey, Shinar, are you coming out of your speakers there? Because I'm getting feedback now. Uh, the Elementals by Michael McDowell was a huge success. So many readers enjoyed it. Highly recommended. For August, we'll be checking out We Need to Do Something by Max Booth III about a family stuck in close quarters during a storm when dot 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 bad things start to happen. September is Hispanic Heritage Month, so the book club choice for patrons to choose from will um, they will all be by Hispanic Latinx authors. Thanks for letting me run the book club. I love our horror community. Sure, let's see. You've been killing it. Um, love that. So you can check that out. You can go to bloodygoodhorror.com. You can also look us up on Goodreads. Um, that's like an ongoing monthly thing, the book club. Did you I'll just add to that. I started reading uh, McDowell's The Elementals last night after seeing everybody's reaction in the book club, and I stayed up till almost two in the morning reading. So I blame nice. Melissa. And I think they're on Reddit now, right? Yes. R slash BJH book club. You're right. Oh, that's right. They moved to Reddit. Sorry, I'm just reading something quick. All right. We just got John breaking news. A very heartfelt email. I'm going to change to my heartfelt email voice. Are you ready? Um, this is from Chris. What a good time to get this. Chris says, hey, guys, I'm a longtime listener of the podcast. I wanted to write in and say that this mark months the 10-year anniversary since I randomly discovered you on iTunes. Since then, so that would have put us in 2011, John. It was 10 years ago. Since then, I've kept to myself and haven't been that active in the community. In fact, despite being an early patron, it took me a few years to finally join the Slack channel. When I did, I happened to join right in the middle of someone discussing their pet passing away. Awkward. No, that's just Slack, Chris. That's okay. Like it's yeah. it's it's <laughs> Slack is just a microcosm of life. We just experience it all together in a in a our little pod there. Regardless of the fact that I've um, kept to being a lurker since then, this podcast has meant the world to me. And I wanted to tell you that seeing how you have all changed and grown over the years has been incredible and fun to see, plus the changes you've made along the way, adding Cece, giving Joe his bumper. Um, they've just been, they've been just as great. Moreover, the same can be said for the challenges you faced. RIP, Mark. I like that, Mark's dead. <laughs> it seems you always take things in stride and make an enjoyable experience no matter what. What an amazing... This person, I mean, this email was sent like uh, two days ago, John. So he couldn't have known that we were going through even more chitcha changes. What a, what a nice message. Um, I'm glad to have had you all in my life for the past ten years. As every time I've dealt, uh, I've dealt with hard challenges. I've turned to you for a nice break from it all. We always like hearing that. And I also want to credit you for helping me to become an even greater horror fan, Joe Bob fan, and a semi-functioning adult throughout that time. Welcome to the semi-functioning adult club, Chris. I'm the president. <laughs> um, hopefully, when the day comes that a train, hopefully when the day comes that another meetup happens, I finally stop saying I'll be there and actually show up. Until then, I'll hold back in saying how each crew member is amazing in their own unique way. Thanks again for the past ten years, and hopefully for another ten. Sincerely, Chris Morlando, who moved to Philly and now lives in Miami. Wow, that's a friggin' journey, wow. there, Chris. Um, if we do 10 more years, John, I'll be 49, which is, that's the thing. Um, so yeah, that was a really, uh, really cool email there. My friend Chris, I'm glad oh, was I nice. that. Um, let me see. I think that's it for emails. Really quick here.
I guess that's it. Info at bloodygoodhorror.com. I'm going to, guys, like, let's be real. It's been two weeks. I might have missed some, but I'm going to keep looking here. Um, Casey, <laughs> uh, it's, yes, time, it's time to pass the torch to you, my friend, our new Twitter person. Woo! And then I will do, um, I will do some uh, Instagram after that. All righty. We have our hashtag out there, SBGH. Send us a question uh, every week. Kate I haven't tipping you off. I haven't looked at it as it continued to be um, Portuguese Grey's Anatomy um, cosplayers. Sadly, no. no. And they left on a cliffhanger too, according <laughs> to Google Translate. Uh, first tweet up here comes from our longtime friend Tracy at T Rex Quiet Place Two. When did the baby eat? I assume she is breastfeeding, but like, when did that happen? Newborns eat constantly. Is she? I mean, just the idea. You know what? The other thing that newborns do constantly, Casey, they cry. They also grow, which means this box that you've made to perfectly fit them like an iPhone is going to be good for like two weeks. (laughs) I can't hear you. I cannot hear you, John. I remember you getting first, wonderful, uh, nervous in the first movie when they were building the uh, cooler for the baby. I didn't know for sure where they were going. So <laughs> the baby box, <laughs> the baby cooler, the baby little coffin thing. It does make me nervous. It's so... I don't know when the baby ate. And honestly, like I, I'm not a parent, but when you're breastfeeding, don't you need to consume like a lot of food? Calories. Yeah, you lose yeah. weight. Yeah, you actively lose weight if you don't. Most people feed that baby. John. Oh, yeah. About the baby. Can you hear me? Kinda. Yeah. Baby, no. yeah. Yes. Yes, I can hear you, John. Uh, this is going great. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're just gonna get me ranting about the baby situation. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what it is, John. When you start talking, I can't hear you for the first second. So if you're gonna say something, you need to commit to like a couple of sentences. How's that sound? <laughs> cool. Casey, continue, please. All right. Next up, Alex Jones. Of the panel members, who would each of you not want to be stuck in a quiet place situation with because you know they wouldn't be able to keep their goddamn pie hole shut? I was saying this uh, to Elizabeth while we were watching. Like, you, you, this is what, how I would ruin it. Because, like, you, here's the moment where you'd forget what reality was the second you wake up and you roll over and go, because, like, you don't. I don't know where I am most mornings when I wake up. Like you're not thinking I'm in the apocalypse. You just roll over and you make some noise. And that's when most people I think would get it. I am a scream sneezer, which is like a big (laughs) shame of mine, but like I'm a really loud scream sneezer. So I would die. And Oh man. Is there a sneeze in any of these movies? Like some sneeze tension? I can't remember. The other one, like farting. Not everyone has control over their farts, dude. Like sometimes when you're asleep. Yeah. People right. toot all the time when they're sleeping. Oh, I was going to say, you figure we're, if we're in a post-apocalyptic situation, Eric and John, we've all slept in the same room before. There's not going to be electricity. I'm not going to have a CPAP. I'm getting left behind. Oh, you're dead. Dude, snorers, you're done, bro. <laughs> you're, done. you're getting tossed by the Kool-Aid, man. Exactly. Too sweet. I talk a lot, so I would also, <laughs> in addition to scream seizing, just not be able to shut the fuck same, up. Same, same, Caitlin. Same. Kid situation is unbelievable. I mean, my children don't stop talking. Like if they start talking, you, so it is physical. So like the, the daughter in yes. the first movie they mentioned here was four dude, four year olds. I don't care. You can tell them it's the apocalypse all day long. Four year olds cannot shut up they're, And I, it's not yeah. their fault. They're not, they do not own self-control yet. 
Eric, I hate to tell you this, but that doesn't always go away because my <laughs> 21-year-old is still talks that much. <laughs> well, we'll just be talking over each other then for our whole lives. It's going to be fun. All right. Up next, we have at Drake Dangerson one writes to us, what's your favorite Killian Murphy role? Oh, that's 28 days later. I heard he's amazing on that Peaky Blinder show, but I haven't seen it. Yeah. I've tried to watch that and I couldn't get completely into it, but he was good in that. I really like him as Scarecrow in those Batman movies, but it's largely because I love the gimmick of like the hallucination gas. Like, I think that's pretty brilliant. He's great. Yeah. He's very good. Have you guys seen the movie Sunshine, Danny Boyle? Oh, no, yeah. I've heard that's I forgot good. about that one. He's a good actor. I think he's good in everything he does for the most part. Yeah. It's like we haven't seen him. I mean, Piggy Blinders, I guess. But. I love this, John, because it's like we're having a conversation and you're like doing the dishes or making dinner and you keep want- randomly wandering by and like five words come out <laughs> as you walk by the door. Like, this is bullshit. <laughs> Piggy Blinders. Uh, all right. Next up, our good friend, Ad Attorney at Space writes, what is your favorite quiet place to relax? Good question. Hmm. I used to travel for work a lot and sort of like the chaos of traveling and then finally getting to a hotel and like cranking the hotel AC up so that it's like super like chilly in there and super quiet, putting in earplugs and just sort of like melting into the bed. That's a good quiet moment. Yeah, man. Hmm. It is nice. I like that early morning hour when I get up, get ready for work and fix my coffee before everybody else's up and kind of you know puttering around and checking my email and reading my news yeah i'm with you there that's mm-hmm. a, that, that's some nice quiet time all right can i try can i am I, are you getting me is it better you am sound great dishes oh thanks kaylin um in maryland we have a screen porch big fan of the screen porch late night screen porch everybody else is asleep there's like a little couch out there outdoor couch Yes, yeah, I'm down with that choice. Nice. nice. I could dig that. All right. Last up we have at zombie wasabi, who we have not heard from for quite a while. Schnars is trainer. Don't believe. Schnars is, this, yeah. this is the, the, uh, uh, lady who trained Schnars. I think that's what oh. I thought. She acts too. Who? She does movies like indie movies. Nice. She's coming out with uh, guns a blazing here. Who would be the first to make a sound in the quiet place situation? I think it would probably be at all right. Fine. Which is that guy, Mark, that you may remember from the show. Who would be what? The best at being quiet. Is that what he said? No, the first to make a sound. Oh, Mark. I don't... Nah, Mark's pretty zen these days. I think he'd probably be cool. I couldn't, I wouldn't be good, cool with this. I'm not very quiet. <laughs> I mean, as Casey has already indicated, if we went to sleep, it could get ugly. Because <laughs> <But, laughs> I so know it's really like, too. <laughs> yeah. Somebody would say something bad about Halloween Six, and I'd just be like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's it for Twitter. Love it, dude. Instagram. I'm basically an expert. Uh, okay, oh, I'm I also think we actually missed one. Oh no, Casey. Well, I left. I went ahead and skipped over that one for the moment just because of okay. the. <laughs> oh, yeah. Probably good. I'm going to trust your gotcha. judgment on that, Casey. Um, I'm also going to make a policy change here. I am going to say people's names on the Instagram questions. So if you do not want me to say your name, you should DM me 
and let me know. None of these are. Complicated. Are you wait? Are you going to use the handle or yeah, their the handle? Name? I only can oh, see right. the handle, but if it's your name, listen, they're not writing into like a Nambla podcast, John. Like it's not a. I think it's okay. All right, uh, that took a turn. First up, yeah. Brian says hashtag Who Eric and hashtag What He Do with Joe. I searched Instagram to see if they had a um, dog is phone gif. They don't, <laughs> but that's what I wanted to say. Um, let's see. Gag me with a chainsaw says predictions for Jordan Peele's Nope. I mean, it's going to be really good, I would assume. Eric, I liked your response. Yeah, I'm a little angry at the poster because it's so obtuse. It's like, why? Why did? Why are you doing this to me? Like, tell me what this movie's about or don't. <laughs> but like, it's a poster. There's not a trailer yet, right? I just don't like. It's it. just it was, a poster. I think yeah. it was just like the announcement. It was like a, there. There is a movie. I don't. That's basically, I, all I saw. I oh, my mom actually was like, "Oh, did you see Jordan Peele's got a new movie coming out called Hope?" And I was like, <laughs> "I think it's no." <laughs> That's amazing. She's the best. You may have spoiled her a whole day, though. She's like, oh, that movie sounds good. Hope. And you say, no, it's no. So no. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, I don't. It's, and it's, you know what, Caitlin? Here's why. It's rare that I have that strong of thoughts about a poster. So I'm just going to trust my gut on this one. Then it's not cool. It's not, I don't like it. <laughs> I would um, say those far as in the spirit of the actual question, the my first guest is aliens, just for going off the poster. But there's that little uh, string of pennants or whatever coming off. It makes me hope some kind of weird circus. But, you mm. know. This is a really good one. I have some thoughts on, but you guys go first. Is Halloween too commercialized nowadays? I mean, like the the holiday, not the films. Yeah, I think they mean the holiday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Isn't it? Is it? I mean, that's what it. It's just, I mean, we live in a a broken down commercialized society. Like everything is commercialized. Yeah, yeah that's kind of what. Wow, we do. you went, you went. You went fucking yeah. full dark. We live there. in late stage <laughs> capitalism, John. That's kind of the name of the game. Like. Well, Nothing well, is you know, for me, what it boils down to. Sorry, John. I was going to say more than anything. I just love that I can get access to this crap easily that I love where I couldn't as a kid. So That's yes. kind of nice to have a pick and choose what I would, you know, the same way that I would love mom and pop video stores. Like I miss regional or even like single old. Like I remember going to Halloween, like there was a costume shop that we would go to every year. Like it's just spirit. Halloween is the thing, but it's, you know, the fact that 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 spirit business is alive and kicking is a good thing, I think, in general. John, you look just pregnant with thought right well, now. <laughs> my, my, I guess my feeling on a lot of this, it's sort of the same thing I would say on a lot of things. is like, just make of it what you want. Like, you don't... Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. I, I look at it this way because I look around. So I just, I mean, some of this might just be shifting demographics. And it's it's a very, like, small sample. But, like... I remember that my parents' neighborhood when I was a kid being like packed with kids trick-or-treating and like every house was decorated. Now this, again, this might be like some boomer remembering the fifties of like, and the before times, but I, it just, I feel like there's a lot less of that now. And so like, to me, anything that keeps Halloween going, even if it is commercialized, I'm into it. Like, cause I, I just feel yeah. like there's a lot less DIY Halloween spirit than I remember as a kid in general. So. I mean, that's a big thing too. That's my, common old man rant these days when you know when we go out and set up our halloween decorations or something and you look down the street and there's maybe two other houses on the entire street i remember it being more yeah for yeah. sure and i th- honestly weirdly the same way with christmas not that i care about christmas but it's weird to see that change in like i don't know i don't know i feel like a lot of people 
go hog wild, but you live in the city, John. You live in the city. That doesn't count. That's not real America. Yeah. I'm all. I mean, like Caitlin and Casey live in real America, year. John. Huh? I said Caitlin and Casey live in real America. <laughs> oh, crazy! I live in the city. <laughs> okay, just Casey. Uh, just Casey. Um, yeah, I that, thought that was an interesting question. Uh, do we really need this? Is from uh, uh, CHH eleven thirty eight. Do we really need more Exorcist sequels? Mm. No, I don't think we need I, any. I really did like the series, though. I will say the series was fun. But sequels, I mean, isn't um, Chris McNeil, Ellen Burstyn, she's going to be a part of it, right? Sure. I mean, not that that, like, changes your answer, I suppose, but... What I just Who's making it? It's somebody legit. I thought that was involved, no? I'm not trying to be a dick here. How old is Ellen Burstyn? She's got to be 90, She's got to be super old. (laughs) She looks old as Exorcist. I mean, like she's Jesus. looking real, like old and requiem for I mean, a dream. Like a, I didn't say she looked bad. She just looked old. Requiem for a dream was like twenty five years ago, almost. I mean, she was pretty old in that too. Um, real good question. What, what, John? Go ahead. I just remembered something that I wanted to bring up earlier. It's not related to any of these questions, but the question did just make me think. But Eric, did you see who the production company was on A Quiet Place Part Two? No, I think they did the first one too. Trauma? Earl plays Platinum Dunes. Wow. Yes, Getting I did back catch in the that. game. Nice. Huh? Yeah. Nice. And this whole movie had more colors than just amber. So that's cool. That's a good improvement. I mean, from previous... they've grown. Yeah. They've grown. They've gotten with the times. I like it. Eric, mm-hmm. it's the color of our energy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's not, not the color of energy. Next up, Tasha Lou 7. Will you be reviewing Quiet Place Part 2? You're welcome. P.S. Love the show. Oh, and then, John, I know you don't understand emojis, John, but then she gave us the, the heart face emoji where there's like hearts floating around. So feel the She's going to be very excited. Yeah. Next did up, you tell her that we were doing it? This I did. Week? I respond. I oh, figured okay. out how to respond. And then I did that. Next up, Paul J S S S S. Uh, Eric, do you still have the uncle traveling mat phobia? So for, for new listeners, John, um, wasn't really the show like okay there was an uncle traveling matt doll in my house that looked like the devil you can find online if you google it it's terrifying and i used to have like real legit nightmares about it i was then of course um tortured by it from my older brother so which is really cool and chill it was like it was like the annabelle doll where yeah. it's just like so yeah. obviously evil yes but now imagine your brother will do shit like wake you up in the middle of the night with it hovering over your face like that kind of thing uh, I think Annabelle did that. I think that was like the sequel. So I don't. Movie. My answer to this was like I don't know, but why push it? You know. <laughs> um, oh, this one's great. Okay, M- Empresia. Who did the review of Skinned Deep? They got it quoted. They got a. They got quoted for it on Amazon Prime Video. So I looked this up, John. We reviewed this movie Skin Deep in two thousand eight. Um, let's see. So here's what it says in Amazon Prime. For his 2004 debut as writer, producer, director, this guy 100% wrote this, Gabe Bartolos created this, quote, demented gift from the B-movie gods, bloody good horror, about a rural clan of psychotic freaks, the killing spree, quote, that takes us places and shows us things we've never seen before. Dread Central. We got, you see that, John? We were quoted above Dread Central. No wait, wait, who did you go and look up who did the review? Well, I'm getting there, John. I'm reading this. Oh, and the final girl that may be their depraved undoing. What does that mean? Starring Warwick Davis and Jason Duger. Is that like um, of that show with the Mormons? The Dugers? 
Just kidding. So, thank you, Kayla. So I looked it up. It's our boy Todd, who uh, I would say he's the most prolific writer. He probably might still edge Luca only because, like, Todd, no BS, wrote two reviews a week for years. Like, he never missed a week. Yeah. Because uh, he just liked doing it. Like, he, he was like a, a superhuman. Um, and also, so Todd Rigney, he is now an indie director, writer. He did the movie Found, which mm-hmm. we reviewed. Which we saw at Horror House. Just a fantastic indie movie. So, I don't think he directed that one, just to be fair. I think he, he wrote, wrote it. it. It was based, yeah, he, yeah, he write wrote it. it. That's right. Um, which is awesome, dude. You know, a, a BGH fam done good, John. So there you go. And yeah, he's even got a couple novels out there, too, because Found was originally a novel, I believe, that he wrote. Okay. So his le- uh, legacy now living on an Amazon Prime. So that's pretty cool. That was, I just skinned deep. Skinned deep. Yeah. And I just forgot what mm-hmm. I was doing midstream. I'm on Instagram. Here we go. <laughs> Uh, John, I know I can't answer this question because food, but Jeff Harkin says famous Ray's or famous original Ray's or Joe's or Joe's original Korean barbecue. <laughs> I responded, um, I have celiac and I like, yeah. uh, let me tell you about <laughs> well, five. So that's, you may not know this, but that's our buddy, Jeff Harkins, my, my buddy. From growing oh, up, okay. Okay. Uh, he designed, uh, the reanimator shirt slash. Oh God. Oh, and that. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. Best. I need He's another one like, of those, by the way. Hey, bro. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I said Joe's. I mean, I don't think it was a serious question necessarily, but uh, Joe's pizza is probably the best. Wasn't that a whole thing that. on Seinfeld? When Kramer was well, lost. Well, there was a whole thing about Ray's and, and he's like, I'm in front of Ray's and... pizza. And he's like, which one? He's like, oh, you know, like that. famous original Razor. Yeah. Uh, Prisoner 007. Did you secretly kill Joe and are now wearing him as an oversized trench coat? The answer is yes. Um, this is Come on, Eric. This, You'd have to get that tucked in a little bit <laughs> if you were going <laughs> to this, this is Chris, bone-in or boneless wings. I'm pretty good with either. Yeah, I, whatever you want to do. I'm fascinated by all of the various vegan wings that they do on, um, on uh, that show there, Hot Ones. Hot Ones. Well, they have cauliflower ones, but they're also definitely some that are just some like weird fake meat situations. Satan? Yeah. Yeah, they tan's pretty good. You know what I learned I li- yesterday? Speaking of uh, vegan meat, that corn, corn, you know that corn? stuff, yeah. is made corn. out is made out of like fungus protein. I thought it was made out of corn because why the hell <laughs> would you name it that? I read a whole <laughs> a article question. about how the like fungus that they make corn out of is like a new thing now because they're finding new ways to use it with the whole like meatless meat boom and they're like yeah corn i'm like what what idiot came up with that like i got angry about it reading this article it's all about sustainability too though right well yeah this is pretty easy to keep going of course it's easy but corn what i was vegan for a very long time and i never really got into corn is there a problem? How is it spelled with a Q? Like Q-U-O-R-N. What do you spell? I'll be honest. Like I don't get the Seton thing or whatever that stuff. Like that stuff looks Seton. like that stuff looks like a goddamn nightmare to me. And I don't it care t- what you do to it. It has the texture of meat. Like it's, I feel like if I'm gonna go for texture, like that you ever seen just a like block it. of it though? It is a wide awake nightmare. Like <laughs> yeah, I mean, so is meat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> you got my me. question is, why do we have to have a substitute corn? It's not though, Casey. It's just meat. That's my point. Okay. It's called Q U O R N or some shit or Q O R N, and it's just a thing you see with like Morningstar Farms and all that stuff. It's just a meat substitute. Uh, okay. 
Yeah. But I was it's, thinking it was a substitute for it, and I'm like, but why? Casey, <laughs> because you are thinking the way this person should have thought this conglomerate when they named this crap. Like, I'm so angry. Well, to be fair, I'm also from Indiana, so. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, you got threatened that they were trying to replace corn. <laughs> what the hell are you guys talking about? <laughs> I think that makes sense. Back up, bro. I get it, dude. <laughs> get off our corner. Oh, my God. Absolutely amazing. Well, I, fellas and ladies, that's it for uh, the gram. Very I abrupt, think, Eric. Very abrupt. I, I need more warning when you're on the last one. I think we're also um, we're going to be maybe doing a little less theatrical and a little more just... I think we're going to get real uh, wet and wild, John, with our movie picks here. So, because why not? I mean, I demanded that we embrace the Delta variant, but you... Hot Girl Summer is over. Hot Girl Summer is over. It's now the dawn of Delta, and it's time to go back inside. So, here we are. Uh, But yeah, so we're definitely going to be doing like Halloween and Candyman. We're going to get to the big stuff, but we're going to get... We're going to start being... um, a little more experimental in the kinds of stuff we do. So please, if you have suggestions, send them in and I'll probably ignore them, but maybe we'll get <laughs> with something. Look, and we're hitting, we're going to hit Green Knight whenever it's streamable. Yeah, all this stuff uh, comes out eventually. You know. And now the window now is even, it's super short. So like, it'll be a lot shorter amount of time when we can get stuff. So there it mm-hmm. is, John. BGH yeah. onward and upward. That's our review of uh, Quiet Place Part 2. Caitlin, welcome to the crew thank you We're so yes, glad good to be here and that's gonna do it don't forget guys um you can help support the show keep us going patreon.com slash bloody good horror you can see a live stream of this show which if you were doing that tonight you could have seen schnarz's hair being damp which is whoo give me the vapors so <laughs> got like some mermaid action yeah, i mean on, it's really. real good like you look like a guy in a squatch ad or dr squatch <laughs> soap ad or whatever hey, Casey, Casey knows what i don't about. know what the fuck but... Schnars, can you real quick say for me all right all right all right <laughs> <laughs> i'm not going down this road <laughs> uh... but yeah i love it so check us out hit us up on social and um We'll talk to you guys next week. See you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.